Good morning. Today is Tuesday, October 20th, 2015. Welcome to the Finance Committee of the Transportation Authority. Uh, my name is John Alvis, the Chair of the Committee. Our Committee Clerk is Stephen Stamus. Uh, Mr. Clerk, could you please call the roll? On item one, roll call. Commissioner Avalos? Present. Avalos present. Commissioner Campos? Campos absent. Commissioner Cohen? Cohen absent. Commissioner Kim? Here. Kim present. Commissioner Marr? Here. Marr present. We have quorum. Very good. Do you have any announcements to share before we start? There are no announcements. Okay. Uh, we can go to our consent calendar. Consent calendar, items two to, five, uh, two to three comprise the consent calendar. These items are considered routine. Staff is not planning to present on these items, but are prepared to present if desired. If a member objects, any of the consent items may be removed and considered separately. Okay. Uh, seeing no one on the roster who would like has any questions, we can go into public comment on our consent calendar. Any member of the public who'd like to come forward and say none will close public comment. And uh, so we could have a motion to approve. So a roll call vote. Uh, uh, we'll have a roll call vote. So a motion from Supervisor uh, Commissioner Marr, second by Commissioner Cohen. And we'll have a roll call vote. On the consent calendar, Commissioner Avalos? Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Campos? Campos, absent. Commissioner Cohen? Aye. Cohen, aye. Commissioner Kim? Aye. Kim, aye. Commissioner Marr? Aye. Mar I, the consent calendar is approved. Very good. Uh, let's go on to item number four, please. Item four, state and federal legislative update. This is an information slash action item. Ms. Watts, welcome. Thank you, Mr. Chair and members. Happy to be here again today. I've got two key things I want to brief you on. First is uh, with the recent uh, conclusion of the governor's period of determining the fate of bills, I thought I'd update you on a couple of the key bills, how they fared that you've been monitoring or acting on this year. And I'll close with a brief uh, overview presentation on the progress in the transportation special session and where we stand at this point in time. I might even be brave enough to prognosticate where we may be going, but uh, it'll determine how I feel at the moment. Uh, so out of the over 100 bills that we're, we have on your matrix, 26 of them were uh, measures that made it to the governor's desk, uh, and he acted on most of them. Uh, most of them were that, that we either had a watch or support position on were approved. There were a couple of uh, bills that were vetoed, but I thought I'd highlight the ones that had the most uh, interest to the San Francisco area. So first, I would call your attention to AB 40 by Mr. Ting. This is the measure that uh, deals with uh, tolling of pedestrian bikes on the Golden Gate Bridge as well as the um, uh, state-owned bridges uh, in, in California. That measure was approved by the governor and uh, becomes law January 1st. Uh, a, a measure that took a great deal of staff and, and uh, my time this year was AB 194 by Mr. Frazier. This deals with hot lanes and tolling authority uh, throughout the state. It was something that was of a very uh, great importance for, for the region here because of MTC's master plan they have for hot lane authority. Uh, this measure was approved by the governor ultimately, but it was uh, a long drawn out uh, uh, series of discussions with the administration to get to a final uh, say so on the bill. Um, essentially, it authorizes uh, for this area the authority for HOT and tolling would reside with uh, MTC, but there's a requirement that they must consult with uh, the individual transportation agencies in the, in the area. In addition, they can go a step further, and between the transportation agency sponsoring a project and MTC, um, they can delegate certain activities, including planning uh, and design, uh, but they would not be, uh, you would not, MTC would retain the, the authority to impose the toll and adopt toll, uh, toll uh, policies. So, like I said, that was a, a hard-fought, long-standing series of discussions throughout the year and culminated in a, a success. Uh, this AB 902 by Mr. Bloom was approved. Uh, this measure uh, deals with uh, diversion programs for violations of the vehicle code that do not um, involve motor vehicles. So you think of bike you know, bike, 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 bike or ped violations, 
Uh, it, it, it extends what was available in law as a diversion program for minors. It now would extend that same provision to adults. So it, the thought process behind the bill is to allow the adults to have access to the diversion program, get better educated uh, in, in terms of the way they're supposed to conduct themselves. Um, an interesting measure uh, of, of uh, indirect importance is AB 1254 by Assemblywoman Baker from Contra Costa County, chaptered. This measure deals with uh, BATA, and it subjects the BATA to the Open Meeting uh, Act requirements. So I think we're going to see um, more of the hearing and process uh, daylighted than we've seen in the past. Uh, SB 9. This was an important measure um, by Senator Bell. It sought to revise and, and, and kind of focus the attention of the transit and inner city rail uh, cap and trade funding program. It's a capital program, grants, uh, competitive process. Uh, what the Senator attempted to do and ultimately was succeeded in doing is focusing the attention on transformative projects, large scale projects and the like. But he went uh, further than that in the initial versions of the bill, which we were able to work with him and finally get amended out, where he limited the amount that would have been available for small projects to 30% uh, or less, and the rest had to be over $100 million. That restriction is no longer in there. It was something the administration asked for. We were all asking for it. And as a result, we now have a tool that's going to be more usable but won't be as limited as what the bill started out. Its main effect is it allows the cap-and-trade funding to be programmed over multiple years so you can start more projects because the cash flow for each project would be programmed over several years rather than consuming large amounts of the annual uh, allocation on a year-to-year -year basis. So I think that's an important improvement. It's analogous to how the STIB works and RTIPs work, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very familiar process. One bill that we looked at this year that was chaptered, and there's been a lot of discussion of, centered around this measure, <clears throat> was uh, SB 413, uh, Senator uh, Wyckowski's measure that sought to uh, provide some additional uh, elements to the administrative adjudication process for transit, in other words, quasi-transit court process. Um, it deals with loud noises. It deals with uh, posting for uh, handicap access in, in, uh, within the vehicles themselves so that they can uh, uh, be regulated. But it also extended the provisions of the, of the adjudicative administrative process to minors. And there was discussion at several of our uh, committee hearings earlier in the year. That remained in the bill. Um, the uh, San Francisco MTA, several local uh, children advocacy groups felt that going down the pathway of decriminalizing the, uh, the, the fare evasion and other, uh, and other uh, crimes for transit was a better, uh, provided better relief or better corrective action for, um, for, for use rather than having them entangled in the uh, criminal process. So that measure uh, was enacted. Great. So those would be the key ones I wanted to draw your attention to. Um, turning my attention to the special session, the uh, conference committee you know, was formed a month ago. Uh, they finally have scheduled two hearings. One was held on Friday, um, and the next one is scheduled tomorrow in Ontario. The first one was in uh, uh, Sacramento. I think uh, as a, you know, a witness and a participant, not a participant, but, but as a witness to, the trans, you know, to, to what transpired at that last meeting, uh, I think it was notable for the level of engagement. We'd not seen um, the Republican caucuses engage in real dialogues, and we saw their representatives on the conference committee start to discuss the various proposals that are on the table. The centerpiece of I guess the way the two co-chairs, uh, Mr. Gomez from uh, L.A. and Senator Bell from San Jose, they determined they wanted to use the governor's proposal that had been released uh, a month or so ago as the centerpiece for discussion and make changes based on that. That measure is largely uh, raises $3.6 billion on an ongoing basis, and the main focus is uh, for fix it first for state and some uh, measure of local funding. The 
bill also in, uh, includes uh, $400 million augmentation for transit from cap and trade, as well as a supplement of $100 million for complete streets um, with guidelines to be determined by the uh, uh, administration, uh, the way that would work. Um, for this region, as I know you're moving forward with your consideration of revenue measures for 2016, the one area of, uh, of, of, of note here, I think, in the governor's plan, but it's also resident in the other plans that are out there, is the uh, imposition of uh, uh, fees on vehicles um, on, a, on a flat basis. It would be $65 per vehicle. So it's not the VLF. Uh, it's not really a reg fee, but it's something else. But it, it walks and talks like a registration fee rather than a percentage-based uh, fee. <coughs> So I just want to make sure you're aware of that as this thing moves forward. And if we get to a conclusion sometime in December or January, uh, I wouldn't be too surprised to see that as a, as a key element. And that's a statewide? That'd be statewide. So with that, um, I, I believe we are entering the uh, point in time after tomorrow's hearing where we want to see a spark of discussions between the caucuses and their leaders and their conferees to see if there's a willingness to put new transportation revenues into a package and vote it up in January. So that's, I think we're getting close to seeing that possibly come together, but I'm not, I'm not willing to say it's uh, greater than a 50 to 60% chance at this point in time based on how I'm watching. The process. So that would be my report for today, and glad to respond to any questions. Uh, Commissioner Moore, thank you. Thank yeah, you. thank you, Mr. Watts. I just had a question about one of the bills that impacts the Bay Area Air Quality Management District that Supervisor Avalos and I sit on. Oh, it's SB 491 on the Transportation Omnibus, omnibus Bill, but it looks like that um, measure just requires public meetings to adopt criteria for how the Air District expends funds, and that's different than the current procedure on um, how funds are allocated per county um, within the Air District. Is, is that right? It's just requiring more explicit criteria? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, it just, and to give you a, a, a level of, of uh, comfort, any change in law in the omnibus bill goes through a very thorough vetting process by all the relevant committees, not just the Transportation Committee, to ensure that it is really a technical change in the law rather than a, a significant substantive policy change. So um, these things are watched very carefully. Governors don't like them unless they come to them with just mere, pure technical items in it because it uh, sets up expectations if they have other things that are added to it. So it's probably the most thoroughly scrubbed type of bill in Sacramento. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Mr. Watts. Uh, any you. other questions here? Great. Uh, appreciate the update. Um, we can open this item up for public comment. Any member of the public would like to comment? And saying none, we will close public comment. And looks like we didn't offer any direction, so it's an information item. And let's go on to item number five, please. Item five, recommend awarding a three-year consultant contract with an option to extend for two additional one-year periods to Smith, Watts, and Hartman in an amount not to exceed 135000 for state legislative advocacy services and authorizing the executive director to negotiate contract payment terms and non-material contract terms and conditions. This is an action item. Thank you. Hi, good morning, Chair and Commissioners. Uh, Amber Crabb with the Transportation Authority. So uh, as you just saw, uh, the Transportation Authority contracts with the state legislative advocate uh, to work on our behalf to monitor legislation, uh, to identify bills that both harm uh, San Francisco's interests or advances our interest, um, to represent the Transportation Authority uh, to state legislators as well as to committees, uh, to uh, run legislation and help us develop legislation on um, the Transportation Authority's behalf and to advance our interest uh, through other processes such as the special session and the budget um, process. So in August we issued an RFP for uh, a three-year contract with an amount not to exceed uh, $135,000 for that three-year period uh, with an option to extend for two additional one-year periods. Uh, by the deadline, we received one uh, proposal, and uh, it was evaluated by uh, 
panel, and the panelists recommended to award the contract to Smith, Watts, and Hartman, uh, who you just spoke with and I think has served us well uh, in Sacramento for 10-plus years. So with that, uh, seeking a motion to support the award. Great. Thank you. Uh, let's open this up for public comment. Any member of the public would like to comment? And we'll close public comment. And uh, if we could have a motion, and it'll be a roll call vote. Okay. On item five, Commissioner Avalos? Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Campos? Campos, aye. Commissioner Cohen? Aye. Cohen, aye. Commissioner Kim? Aye. Kim, aye. Commissioner Marr? Aye. Marr, aye. The item passes. Very good. Uh, number six, please. Items. Um, did you want to call item six and seven together? Oh, okay. Let's call item six and seven. Item six and seven, recommend increasing the amount of the professional services contract with AECOM Technical Services by one million to a total amount not to exceed 16935000 to complete design support services for the I-80 Yerbabuena Island Ramps Improvement Project. And item seven, recommend increasing the amount of the professional service contract with Parsons Brinkerhoff, Inc. by 1350000 to a total amount not to exceed 7650000 to complete construction support services for the I-80 Yerba Island Ramps Improvement Project and authorizing the executive director to modify contract payment terms and non-material contract terms and conditions for both items. These are action items. Okay. Mr. Cordova. Good Welcome. morning. Chair Avalos, Commissioners Eric Cordova, Deputy Director, Capital Projects. Very happy to be here to present items, uh, agenda items six and seven on page 51 and 61, respectively. Wanted to give you an update on the project because we've made significant progress. And I'm going to go through a PowerPoint presentation here. We were able to get past the bird nesting to. Yes, we did. The birds are all safe and sound. Happy to report. Um, on the screen there, you'll see basically a visual rendering of the completed project. On the right side, you'll see the westbound off-ramp that we're constructing and inside a loop westbound on-ramp that we're constructing. Um, we basically are 100% complete with all of the foundations, the columns, and basically all the underground work, which is a significant milestone because, as you know, that's where a lot of the unknowns are mm. and where the risk lies. And in that regard, <clears throat> being 100% complete is good news. We've also completed all of what's called the false work. That picture there you see in front of you basically is false work when it was being erected, but all that work is also complete. This is a shot <clears throat> taken from uh, the construction side of the uh, Bay Bridge. <clears throat> Excuse me. And basically, you can, what, what I wanted to depict here is the fact that we're very close to the historic property. We've had to continue to monitor that property to make sure there's no damage. Happy to report there's no damage to date. To date. In that regard, um, it, it looks like the uh, little old lady in, in the house who didn't want to move it for the freeway coming by. That, that's right. It's <laughs> much more than that, I know. That's right. Um, right now, I want to sh uh, show you there, because a picture tells a thousand words here. This is the Clipper Cove area. What's referred to as Quarters 10 and Building 267 were relocated to this new Clipper Cove area. Uh, near the intersections of Treasure Island Road, um, and, and, and it's, it's a per perfect little park area that, frankly, we're working with the Treasure Island Development Authority to go ahead and complete the landscaping and all the utility tie-in work, and this building will have some future use in terms of um, open space type use, potentially a conference center for what I'm told. So we're excited about that because it's a nice finished product. We're spending a lot of money to relocate it, and we want to make sure that we get some type of a, a use for that in the future. Now, this is the, project, the picture that I think really tells the story of where we're at. You can see that um, we are, in essence, up in the air and have completed approximately about 40 to 50 percent of our bridge deck work, the actual deck riding surface. Um, and um, this picture is probably a little bit old in that regard, but we've actually had some more deck pours in that regard. So we're in, we're in good shape in that regard, and our plan is to... Um, go ahead and complete the rest of the deck pours here very shortly. Let's talk about the specifics here in terms of the award of the contract. We awarded in December of 2013 to Golden State Bridge for just over $49 million. Um, construction work is approximately 70% complete. We've made payments to them in the, in the tune of uh, $38 million plus. 
And I'm happy to report we're meeting our DBE goals. Uh, we've made payments over $4 million. The real current major bridge, bridge activities are the concrete pours, now the decks themselves, and all the barrier work. And we're on schedule to complete the project by August of 2016. Golden State Bridge has really been a great contractor to work with, I've got to be honest with you. They've been really magnificent in terms of working with us to make sure that we meet the DBE goals. They're at 13.1% right now. And there's some other statistics there in terms of the workforce, female employees close to 7%, minorities about 25%. And these are all contract goals that are requirements by FHWA. We have a training program in place that's required by FHWA, 20 apprentices in the labor trades, uh, primarily in the uh, carpenters and laborers unions. Um, and now let's start talking about the specifics of the uh, contract amendments in front of you. We have Parsons Brinkerhoff who is handling the construction management work. They've got a resident engineer. They have their inspectors in the field with all the field testing that's required and off-site testing also. And the design support is uh, performed by AECOM. They have been with us, frankly, by AECOM since 2006. They went ahead and handled all the environmental documentation, all the design work. And in construction, you've got to make sure you have your designer all the way till the end of the job because, uh, as I'm going to talk about now, so AECOM has been involved on this project since 2006. Since 2006. Yes. And I want, really wanted to start talking about changes. There isn't, a, there isn't a construction job around that doesn't have changes in the field. It's just, it's just something that's part of the game. The key to successful management of these projects is to manage those changes. And both uh, Parsons Brinkerhoff and AECOM have really helped us in that regard to be ahead of changes in the field. Um, we're working right adjacent to the major entrance to the U.S. Coast Guard facility. Home, homeland security interests are key, working very closely with the Coast Guard, in particular with Greg Rescio, who's been a great uh, representative on the job. But at the end of the day, we've got to make sure that we perform traffic shifts mandated by the Coast Guard so that they have 24-7 access to their base. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the uh, nesting birds. We have gotten past that. All the trees that need to be removed have been removed. We're going to mitigate those later in the project. Uh, that did cause a couple of months delay, frankly, and we had to make, we've made that up now in terms of uh, just having some uh, additional work, some on the weekends and some extra hours. All projects typically have some kind of site conditions in terms of different site conditions, unidentified utilities and buried objects. You know, it's really important to recognize here that the, this is an, an old naval station. The as-builts that we got, what are called the as-builts for where utilities are supposed to be, et cetera, were really old. And in that regard, we had to do a lot of extra work in terms of identifying utilities and appropriately relocating them. And then finally, we're working next to the big Bay Bridge project. Uh, we share the access roads with the Bay Bridge project. And in that regard, it's important that we monitor and work with them very closely. And our PB construction management team has done a great job as it relates to making sure they attend and sit in on all the meetings on the Bay Bridge as it relates to the planning and the construction work on the, on the other side of the bridge, which is the eastbound on-ramp and the eastbound off-ramp that Caltrans is currently constructing. Let's talk about upcoming milestones. Um, McCalla Road is where the ramps touch down. There's some large retaining walls that we're constructing there that we actually are completing right now and should have completed by the end of the month. As I indicated before, the bridge deck placement should be done by early 16. We'll have all that false work, all those temporary large steel beams and smaller columns removed by the spring of next year. We'll widen Northgate Road, which is the road that leads down to the Coast Guard property and have that done by the uh, late spring of next year. Put up the bridge barriers, concrete barriers on the sides of the, of the uh, on and off ramp structures. Put in the signing, striping, metering, et cetera. And our plan is to have it all complete by August of 16. And right now, happy to report we're on schedule. I, I want to make sure we talk about risks, though, too. You've heard it everywhere probably, El Nino. We're preparing for it. That's right, winter's coming. Winter's coming. They say it's coming finally. In that regard, we're going to go ahead and um, shoot the slopes with erosion control measures to make sure that we get those slopes properly seeded 
that's key before the rains hit um, because if it if we don't do that we could have some issues there but it, but right now we're properly mitigating and we do have contingency to handle additional uh, stormwater protection protection measures that might be needed then finally on the budget side I wanted to go ahead and just give you an overview of the budget we bid it at 49 million we got a contingency of 20%, just over 10 million. We had supplemental funds also in that regard of 1.7 million, and the state did furnish some materials for this project, which primarily were the lights uh, for the on and off ramps. Their um, architectural features were unique, and they ordered those lights as part of their Bay Bridge project, and we bought, we bought those. Um, so our construction allotment was $63 million, 63.8 million. And I, I want to focus on the contingency because this is important for everybody to understand. So our call it contract CCO budget being the change order budget, how much money do we have for changes in the field was over just over uh, about 12.3 million. We've issued $4.5 million of change orders to date. How much? 4.5. So we have remaining uh, budget. We still have remaining about $7.8 million. And what we're, what we're requesting the state, because all of this work is federally and state funded, is we're requesting the state to shift some money from the capital side of the ledger for hard construction cost to the construction engineering side of the ledger, what's COS, which is the construction uh, support cost, to the tune of $2.5 million to be able to fund these two contract amendments. That still leaves us with $5.3 million dollars left over right now for any final work and given where we're at at 70 percent complete we believe that is sufficient contingency to finish this job and do more if we need to so i just want to make it clear in that regard that from a budget perspective we're shifting some money from capital to the oversight to the uh, construction support side but it all the uh, indications are for us in terms of planning ahead is we've got the money to finish the project within budget do you see it's possible to actually have a lot of that contingency left over, um, significant part of that 5.3 million? Yes, right now we think there's gonna be some contingency left over. Uh, hard for me to estimate. I can tell you more after the winter, frankly, because once the winter hits there, we gotta make sure we have money for any additional, right. uh, what's called sweeping measures. Okay, uh, um, Commissioner Kim. Thank you, and first of all, congratulations. Um, on staying within the budget and, and also doing really well with uh, ensuring that there's a strong contingency program. I guess when you said, um, you know, if there's other improvements that we can make, if there, are, if there are remaining funds, if the contingency isn't used for other reasons, what would that look like? Well, undefined in that regard. Um, I know in our work with Caltrans, there have been instances where we're working so close together that we've decided, hey, you do this, we do this type thing. So something to that effect may be something uh, that might work. Um, we, when we open the new westbound on and off ramps, we have to close the existing westbound off ramp, which is on the left side there. Uh, there might be some additional work for improvements there. So it's those kind of things that uh, we want to make sure we have contingency for that we can uh, handle. Is it important to make sure that we have um, concrete options in case the state, you know, decides to claw it back if we don't have kind of ready options available? Oh, in that regard, just to make sure we spend all the money? In that, is that, well, is I'm not it, encouraging that we <laughs> overspend taxpayer dollars, but... <laughs> well, I, I know that um, right now it looks like we should come in within budget with some leftover. Um, but there is no other scope items that we are expecting to go ahead and include on the project that are included as, as we know them today. Those risks that we have related to El Nino are the ones that are probably our biggest issues of concern. And as we get through and complete our concrete pours and our barrier work, um, you know, there may be some changes there that might require some additional CCOs, so. Okay, Commissioner Campos. I don't know why it's El Nino, not La Nina, but um, <laughs> um, just going back, and I, it's good to see the overall budget that you're staying within the overall budget, but going back to the specific request, uh, yes. Uh, yes. so on item six, you're asking for an increase of one million for yes. ACOM. 
Right. And then on item seven, you're asking for an increase of 1.3 million uh, for Parsons. Yes. And I was wondering if you could walk us through it because as I'm looking at the ACOM contract, my understanding is that it was first issued uh, back in uh, 2008. Yes, I and it was for 2.5 million. Yes. Then you increased it to 8.2 million in 2009. Right. Then we increased it to uh, 15.9 million in 2010. And now we're increasing it to almost 17 million. Sure. And so if you can explain sure. sort of how did that happen, what's the justification for that? Sure. And likewise, uh, with the Parsons contract, uh, we're talking about a contract that in 2013, uh, was uh, a 6.3 million contract, and right. now we're talking about a 7.6 million contract. Understood. L let me start with AECOM first off. The 2.5 million, my apologies for the, the wrong year. Um, and that 2.5 million was for environmental documentation work. It did not include design, and it did not include any of the additional work that's needed here during construction support. So when we went through the environmental process and got our approval, we went ahead then and augmented their contractor, a contract after we had, in essence, an approved environmental, environmentally approved project, and we went ahead and augmented their contract for design work. And, and why didn't we RFP that at that point? Uh, at that point, we made the decision not to RFP it because of the fact that they had the engineers that were most knowledgeable of the project, who actually had all of the information related to their tie-ins itself to the Bay Bridge. Moffitt Nichols is a key subconsultant to them. And so at that time, we had made the decision not to put an RFP out if, as long as they had done satisfactory work. And that was included in the original RFP that we set out, that we, there was the intent to go ahead and move forward with final design with the same firm if they did satisfactory work. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I don't know that I would have done that. I mean, I think that, you know, if, if they were the best for the project, you know, that would have come through in the RFP process and the competitive process. Uh, and, you know, the fact that they did a, a fine job with a $2.5 million uh, effort doesn't mean that they're necessarily the best for, uh, you know, now is what, a $17 million expenditure, you know? Uh, so, what what was the expected amount that you were that you had budgeted for uh, the ACOM piece that is now at seventeen million? What was the original? Typical, typically, the budgets for the environmental documentation and for the design and the construction support are typically in the range of twenty five plus percent of the construction contract. So in that regard, and this, this project in itself is a very intense project from a structural mm -hmm. engineering standpoint. So um, in that regard, we are that, in that 25 to 30% range. What is the 20, what would that range be here? What's uh, the 25% range would be approximately $15 million, 30% range being approximately $18 million. So they fall in that range. I know I completely understand, uh, Commissioner Campos, it's a large contract at the end of the day. It's a large contract that unfortunately has been increased pretty significantly in increments. Yes. You know? And so that, that, that worries me because it's the one, two, three, it's the fourth amendment yes. to a contract that started as a $2.5 million contract and now it's $17 million contract. Understood. And, and just so you know, this is the final amendment because we are at a position now that we can complete the project. Um, and we've got a commitment from them that this is, and we understand that there's definitely some additional scope of work that was added to their contract, especially here during the construction phase. Some of it, uh, in particular, out of their control where we had to make changes to seismic joints that Caltrans requested. Maybe we can hear from the executive director on that. I mean, sure. uh, I mean, how do, you, how do you feel about the way that we have gotten here? I mean, it just doesn't... Commissioner Campos, I, I appreciate your concern, and I, I do share that. I think that in a large job like this, um, we might have been able to anticipate that and pre presented that strategy to the board from the beginning um, if we felt that that was the, the right way to go. And I would defer to... Um, 
you know, Eric, having been the longer-term uh, project manager on this and, and his judgment with the prior executive director and the management team where they felt like there was enough value to recommend going forward, I do believe the transparency and the competitive process may have well have yielded the same result, to your point, um, and that that would have been a better way to go. So let me ask you a question about, you know, so we amended it in 2010, right? We increased it by, we almost doubled it, actually, right? And, and uh and so, so it, we added almost eight million from the the eight point two in two thousand and nine to almost sixteen million in two thousand and ten. So why the, the extra million? What, what what's the need for that? I mean, because it seems like we already increased it pretty significantly. No, so understood. Why is understood. That needed? The um, the uh, the augmentation you spoke about was for to handle the design phase with a portion of the construction support phase. And really, this $1 million has to do with a lot of the changes that we've had to go through in terms of managing project changes as we encountered them in the field. And as I listed before, in terms of utility relocations, changes to the uh, different areas there that were required as we got into construction, that mandated us to use more resources from the AECOM team to go ahead and make changes, get them approved by Caltrans, and issue them to the construction contractor. Okay. okay, and what about the Parsons piece, the, sure. the 1.35? That's also a pretty yes. significant increase. Yes, it is a significant increase. This has been a very challenging job for us in terms of actually managing the construction contract. We've worked, as I indicated before, the construction contractor has been very good to work with. They've had changes that they've had to make on false work submittals and other types of changes and changes in sequencing that they've taken a look at and said, hey, we can get this job done and keep it on budget, keep it within time frames by making certain changes. So in that regard, not only have we had to uh, manage that effort, and our construction and en resident engineer and their inspection team has also worked on numerous days where we've gone ahead and gone to 10-hour work days and worked the weekends which were not originally included in their budget. Um, so we have proactively gone ahead and kept the project on schedule because from, from our perspective in terms of delivery of the project, these costs are, are, are much smaller than any potential project delay costs that we might encounter. Mm -hmm. So um, as the project manager, I've made the business decision to go ahead and get staff and keep them moving so that we could manage this change with working with our contractor and all the outside influences in terms of the Coast Guard and Caltrans. Is the Parsons Amendment the last amendment that you yes. anticipate? Yes, it is. Definitely. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Director Sorry, Chang? after conferring to, with um, Deputy Director for Finance, uh, Fong, I think that uh, Commissioner, we would like to go back and, and take a look at the decision to go from environmental to design as a basically a sole source uh, based on the strong work of OECOM. I believe the rationale was that we wanted to stay on schedule. We had full confidence in the team and that the federal rules did allow this to happen. It didn't require a procurement. But going back, I think we should review that and come back to you with how we might approach it going forward in the future. And that decision was made in 2008 or? From environmental to design, yes. That's my understanding. Okay. That was before any of us were on the board time frame. That was way back, yeah, back, in, yeah. Uh, back at the time where, um, you know, a prior administration and we were looking to try to keep the project moving expeditiously. But, again, yeah. it has to be weighed against the benefit of having a procurement. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, was there, I mean, looking ahead from previous years, was there an expectation that we would be doing these contract increases? Yes, Definitely. I mean, 2.5 million was just for the start of the environmental work, and we really had to fight hard to get the federal and state funding, quite frankly. That was a, an uphill battle the first two years. So as we were doing preliminary engineering work, which, which, which was frankly on the local dollars, TIDA, TIDA's dollars we were using, we were at the same time starting to move forward with the engineering work because we wanted to make sure that we met, in essence, the uh, Bay Bridge schedule mm -hmm. in that regard. And in that regard, we actually did. We actually did meet our schedules and the time frames that we needed to be able to construct this project at the same time that they're constructing, constructing the ramps on the other side of, of the bridge. So in that regard, it's, it is a huge success story. Because if, if we had not met our schedule, we probably wouldn't have been able to start construction here until after they had completed other work. So 
I, I can recall like the first year I was in office in the Finance Committee, we were looking at designs for this project well before the Green Bridge was completed. And um, so it's been very exciting to see the different phases going through and seeing final completion as well. Uh, I never thought I'd be excited about off-ramps and on-ramps, but here we are. Um, they no are other questions from the roster, so let's go on to public comment. Thank you for your presentation. Okay. All right. Uh, public comment is now open. Any member of the public who would like to comment? And seeing none, we'll close public comment. And um, have a motion on this item. And a roll call vote. Oh, uh, you can do same house, same call. I'm, you same house, same call? Okay. And the items pass. Thank you. Um, next item, please. Item 8, introduction of new items. This is an information item. Great, thank you. Uh, seeing no other names of the roster, colleagues, I'm looking at uh, having a hearing to address our uh, soon-to-be-starting bike share program under Motivate, and the hearing will be looking at how we can ensure that the Motivate program is one that has uh, significant uh, benefits, workforce benefits and local hiring benefits, uh, that we could actually get a sense of how uh, this could be not just a boon for people looking to cycle uh, to the bike share program, but also for communities in San Francisco as well. So I look forward to uh, hearing probably next uh, finance committee meeting to discuss that. Okay. Uh, so let's open this item up for public comment. A public comment on any new ideas for finance committee. And seeing no one come forward, we'll close public comment. And now is the moment we've been all but waiting for, the uh, item number nine. Item nine, public comment. Okay, public comment is now open. And uh, we will close public comment for lack of a commenter. And uh, Mr. Clerk, uh, our last item. Item 10, adjournment. We are adjourned. Thank you.